Hello and welcome to the Ask Girl podcast where I answer any of the questions that you've submitted over the week. My name is Elliot Reed. I'm the founder of the Revitalized Clinic where we've helped over 8,000 people become pain-free, mentally well and physically fit. Now I'm very, very excited to speak with today's guest. Annie is an award-winning rising star osteopath and mindset coach based at the OsteoCure Clinic in Hertfordshire. Annie uh, prides herself on a 360 degree approach to your health, providing an holistic intervention to your healthcare. Today, we are going to discuss health, osteopathy and mindset coaching. How are you doing today, Annie? I'm very well. Thank you so much for that introduction. (laughs) My pleasure, my pleasure. I'm excited to speak to you today because I love learning and speaking to other osteopaths, but as well as this, I would say that it must be 70 to 80% of the books that I've read since graduation have been to do with um, psychological optimization or just pure psychology Um, and I understand obviously you being a mindset coach there must be quite a lot of crossover into psychology. Mm. It's really interesting you should say that actually because I get asked a lot about you know what got you into mindset coaching through the osteo route and it really was exactly that once you graduate and you think you know what kind of field do I actually want to delve into here psychology mindset performance habit change was really where my passion was so that is really exactly what has led me down this route and almost blending the two together and utilizing that when it comes to helping people change their life so yeah just out of interest um and in fact which university did you study at to be an osteopath Econ. Econ. okay perfect did you feel that the course could have paid more attention to psychology? Did you feel that was a gap that you wanted to fill after graduation or was it just something that you were interested in? Hmm. So I think um, the course itself, actually, I think we had a nice amount of psychology. We had modules through the third and fourth year. It was weaved into clinical practice to an extent, but for me, it was just really where I felt my passion ignite. And I thought, I love my hands on, I love and adore osteopathy, but this is really where, you know, know we get fired up and it feels like you found your purpose. It's really Mm -hmm. where I felt that way. So yeah, BCOM did pretty well with that, I felt. Amazing. Just out of interest, because I know that you have a specialist interest in exercise rehabilitation with a lot of Mm. your patients. And I find that with a lot of practitioners who I speak to who pride that form of intervention, they tend to focus a lot on what happens outside of the treatment room as well as what happens inside the treatment room. Have you found that by emphasizing or by focusing on mindset or psychology, that you're able to get a more stable um, relationship with your patient where they have more control over their pain and more control over their function in between the sessions? 100%. And the reason for that is that a massive part of what I do in the treatment room is patient empowerment. And that goes hand in hand with patient education, I feel as well, because my mission is to help give them the long term result to their problem. That's what we're here for. And if I can empower that patient in that treatment to take control of their health, to do things and instill habits that are going to positively impact them, I can have a great impact on that patient and almost optimize and build on the time that I do have with them. So exercise rehab, I feel massively passionate about. But that does go hand in hand through the treatment process to to help them install the habits because, you know, these things need to be done consistently. And that happens by, you know, educating them on the importance, also empowering them and showing them the impact and and the help it can have. So 
I think mindset work and helping your patient instill habits should be at the core of exercise rehab. When we are going throughout this, the same process with our patients, we often find that we have to negotiate quite a bit. So mm-hmm. in the sense of this is the ideal, this is your lifestyle, this is what you're prepared to do. What is on just the outside perimeter of your comfort zone and what's just outside of your comfort zone, something that's attainable. Do you find that you have to go through the same process with your patients? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is about kind of starting small. Because if you say to a patient, you know, you need to get up every day, you need to do an hour of this, an hour of that, that isn't realistic. But if you can sit there and you can plant that seed and you can go, you know, how does it sound to just do two minutes a day? And if that patient can do two minutes a day for a week, a month and make it a habit, you can then habit stack, you can build on that and you can grow when they see the results. So yeah, negotiation, 100%. Do you find then that your your path with that patient often goes a bit further than what you that they might have initially expected or you might have initially expected? So, for example, you get them to, to being in a state that they are quite comfortable, they're quite pain free, but that they go on with you further to develop more long term habit, uh, habitual changes to their health. Yeah, it, it kind of inevitably ends that way, really. And I personally feel it's a beautiful responsibility that we have because getting someone out of pain is almost one step of the process. If you can then sit down with that patient on that quote unquote last session and say, look, you're 100% pain free or we're managing this perfectly well, what do you now want to go on to achieve? To actually ask that patient that question and to expand their vision and their mind on what they want to achieve they would, never poss- they would never necessarily have had that thought cross their mind. For them, their initial goal and their initial comment when they come to see me is, I want to be out of pain. But if you can then go, we ticked that box, now what do you want to achieve? And that could be something as small as, you know, now I'm out of pain, I actually want to walk a bit further. Or that might be something as huge as, do you know what, I want to go all in, I want to run a marathon, I want to do an Ironman or something bigger. But yeah, inevitably, your relationship does does grow. But often it's less frequent touch points with me as an osteopath personally, and more, you know, I use the word again, empowering them to take it to the next level. Uh, what's amazing to me about that as well is that it hits on such core osteopathic principles of finding health. So you found the source of pain or you've found the cause of the pain, treated that, but then it sounds like you're going above and beyond to help that patient find uh, greater opportunities for greater health, which is amazing. And is that something that you feel you've always been confident in doing or did it take doing the mindset coach to the mindset coach um, course to do so? So I think it's always been almost like a value of mine and at the root of what I do. I think the difference is, is that we can have this approach as a practitioner and come at it from a place of being like a quote unquote mentor for our clients and our patients, or we can actually then have the specific tools that you can actually then use to coach them in a way that is actually getting into their subconscious mind and really installing habit change, almost from an evidence-based approach where you know what works and you've got the tools there. So I'd say it's always been there, but when you get equipped with the skills, you can then take it to the next level. So just so the listeners can get a better insight, as to what mind coach or what mindset coaching is, would you be able to give us a a bit of a summary? Mm. So within this industry, there is a huge variety. Um, There's lots of different titles and different um, kinds of people you can work with. Um, For me, and this sounds very cliche, but it does encompass what I do well. It is about helping you 
grow, develop and expand into the best version of you. And in the osteopathic treatment room, that is very much around, you know, pain, performance, recovery on the physical level. When it comes to mindset coaching, we take a slightly different approach and it's identifying the blocks and barriers that are holding you back from helping you feel like the best version of yourself. And for many people, this can be limiting beliefs. This can be mindset blocks. This can be different patterns or stories that you might tell yourself. And very often this comes from our subconscious mind. And this pairs up beautifully with the osteopathic principle because the common denominator between the two for me is very much about finding the root cause of the problem. And if we just address mindset on a conscious level, we don't get down to those nitty gritty subconscious beliefs and systems. So my version of mindset coaching is finding those root causes of blocks, barriers, lack of confidence, self-belief, et cetera doing the transformation work to help rid you of those and really replacing them with empowering beliefs, you know, helping inspire inspired action and help you transform your reality. So over lockdown, I read quite a lot of Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud, Joseph Campbell, and um, the narrative or the, the coming back to those stories which we keep telling ourselves, all the myths that we keep telling ourselves is quite central to a lot of their work. So how do you approach that how do you approach getting to the patients or the clients subconscious mind Hmm. so it really is a journey and it's about holding space for that individual and this is why when it comes to coaching with me at the moment I tend to work on a longer term basis and the reason for that is that there is a key kind of step-by-step process we want to take And one of the most important things really to start off with, and this applies to osteo as well, is that client um, coach relationship, because you need to make sure that you're holding space and that person feels feels safe in that call or that session to actually share and open up to you. So, you know, building rapport, building that relationship is key initially. Then you really want to get and get to the bottom of and identify what their core desires are, you know, what actually they want to see happen. So getting clear on what that looks like. Then it is really delving into the past and not from a space of surfacing any trauma or going into events that necessarily don't want to relive, but identifying things that may have happened to them often in their childhood, in the early years, that have caused them to um, develop and attach themselves to certain beliefs, certain narratives, certain certain kind of patterns that they then adopt into their adulthood. So it is really about going almost way back and identifying what those things are identifying the beliefs that have developed as a result and then really working on them as the core foundations of belief change and mindset coaching that's that's really interesting because i've i can i can imagine and this is just out of interest i can imagine that a lot of people's goals coming into you um, are transferred emotions or emotional or created from emotional manifestations that might have come from actually more negative instances in their childhood right so for example I was told I would never achieve this therefore I really want to achieve this or something like that Mm -hmm. and I was just wondering if you notice that as you explore with the patient or the client that their goals might change when they realize that their initial motivation might come from a not so um, nice source Mm -hmm. absolutely 
I think there's two twofold there. It's firstly, once you've removed the limiting beliefs in someone's mindset, you have expanded their vision and their belief for what is possible. So often the goals may be set at the start and you get to the end of the process and their self-belief has exploded. So their goals actually change quite significantly. But absolutely, often we go, okay, right, you want to achieve ABC. Let's really work out what that actually comes from. What basis are you wanting to achieve that from? And you're totally right. Often it can be previous trauma, certain people installing beliefs and saying you can't do this. And it's just ensuring it's coming from a place of motivation and almost wanting to achieve things from a place of empowerment rather from a place of almost proving somebody wrong. Because then you've got a negative drive and that isn't necessarily good for us going forward. That's amazing. Awesome. That sounds like I want to take this course. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so good. Really, really good. And how do you find that this complements your osteopathy? Have you noticed that you're since becoming a, a mindset coach that your approach to osteopathy has changed at all? Uh, yes and no. I think it's important to know where the kind of barriers and, and boundaries are. You know, some some people that come to see you for an osteopathic treatment, they're just not necessarily open or interested to this kind of work. I think you have to respect that. Um, but it certainly has massively improved my ability to help patients with behaviour change and changing their habits and motivating and inspiring them to better their health and their life. So that's where the crossover really does happen. Um, but as I said earlier, I think the real common commonality between the two is about finding the root cause of the problem and not just putting a plaster on it, not just looking at things superficially but actually finding the foundation and the root and treating it there because that is when you will get long-lasting sustainable change either in your body and your health or your mindset or both and that's where the two work beautifully together but it's kind of knowing knowing which level to pitch at and how much of each to put into that session and it sounded also when you were, it sounded like also when you were talking about uh, potentially negative childhood experiences or negative experiences before it sounds like you were saying you don't necessarily need to resolve and then dismiss but if these instances can fuel a your self-belief or fuel your motive or motivation to get to the next stage of what you want to accomplish and that's absolutely fine is is that right yeah so it's what I mean there is that, you know, there are some people that I work with that have had really quite traumatic things happen to them in their childhood or through their life. And what's really important is that it's not to be feared to just identifying what has occurred as a result. We never want to go into an event associated as what we call it in coaching. You never want to be in that state again and reliving it because that's resurfacing and reconnecting to trauma. But what we do want to do in order to fully ensure that whatever has happened, we're not allowing to kind of come with us through life is that we identify the beliefs that have been brought with us as a result of that. And it may be not always be a belief, but it might just be a pattern or a mindset block or a limitation of our potential that might have come as a result. So it's really about um, identifying that and then moving through. Does that make sense? 100%. And mm. when, you, when you say that some of your clients, their self-belief can explode and can, can really increase... <laughs> What do you notice as a practitioner, how, how their behaviours might change after that? I think it's really having confidence to step outside your comfort zone. 
And what can often happen if we do have you know, limiting beliefs or mindset blocks is that negative, that negative self-talk can hold us back. So we might have a dream on our heart, we might have a vision for what we want, but the minute we start to think about taking action to manifest that, our mindset block, our internal voice holds us back and says, don't do that, you might get hurt. Don't do that, someone might you know, question what you're doing. Don't do that, other people might project their opinions and we stay stuck. But the minute we change that internal voice to actually question that almost default response and we go, actually, you know, why not? Why can't I go for it? Why isn't that possible for me? I can do that. And you have a coach that helps support you through implementing that suddenly you are almost like a positive cycle because you take the first step and that leads to the next and the next and the next and all of a sudden you look back and you think wow I've actually this is actually my reality now I'm actually embodying and living and manifesting this because you have hijacked the way in which your body and your mind rather responds to you expanding your comfort zone and all of a sudden you've, you've expanded your vision and rather than playing small and holding yourself back, suddenly the world has opened up and you can see with much wider view of what is actually available to you. And how do you balance that with a patient, for the lack of a better term, or a client for the lack of a better term, being too naive, i.e. to be so positive and so optimistic that they don't balance the downside? Um, how do you balance optimism with uh, almost being able to critique your own actions? Hmm. That is a really, really good question. And I think it's about having a having a path and really understanding the motives behind a goal and what it is doing for you. So, you know, we have to work and weave in mindset coaching in and around the realities of life. You know, quite often people either have a family, they have responsibilities, they have demands. And to say to somebody, you know, wipe all of that aside, just focus on your vision and go for it let's be honest yeah that's not going to happen so I think it really is about designing an inspired action plan that works for that client that works for that patient where you have also explored options and you've made that a really comfortable balance that just sits outside what is comfortable and that can just grow and expand slowly and underpinning all of this is identifying very clearly your why what is your why for doing this? Because if you've got that really clear, you know why you're doing these steps and you've then got that real basis of uh, the reasons for doing it that will then fuel things going forward. But I think it's also sitting down and with any decision, looking at things from the angle of what outcome do we want, but what also could show up? What are the hurdles that could hold us back? And how can we ensure we've almost preempted them initially? So when inevitable setbacks happen, we're already on it and can navigate them really well do you find that the why often is quite a nice way to implement the conscious and the subconscious mind just because i can imagine someone would have reasons or their why could have very logical foundations in say their conscious mind or their frontal cortex but when it comes to the more subconscious mind there might be more emotional reasons or reasons that they can't quite logically expressed but they just know that they want to do it for a particular reason yeah and often the way that you get from the conscious why to the subconscious why is going deeper and deeper and deeper and on some calls we can spend an entire session actually really getting to the root of this and quite simply if people are thinking about this just day to day simply ask yourself that you know what is my why and you might get something like to help people and then you might go but why and it might be um you know to have an impact on people but why? 
so that I can achieve good things in my life but why so I can have a legacy but why so I can, you know, develop my family name, but why? And you can keep going down and peeling down these layers. And, you know, tying this in with what we've said about previous, you know, micro or macro trauma, very often the foundations of our why can actually be something that could have been negative in the moment. So without getting too personal for me, so much of why I am like I am is through some childhood bullying and not being accepted and not being, um, I'm being sort of, bullied for working hard and having ambition so for me you could argue a lot of my passion and love for this work came from a negative place but if we can reframe that and actually use that to inspire us that is where our power is and the concept of the wounded healer comes in here as well where if we've experienced something and we've grown from it and we've been able to reframe it that is where our gifts are and that is where we can really use that as our powerful purpose for creating massive change in other people's lives and our own. That's amazing. Well done to you, credit to you for not having that part of you squashed because a lot of people who experience bullying, who mm. have the very, very well, great assets of their personality squashed by it. So that's amazing that you're doing so. It's, it's quite uh, interesting as well, the way you speak about the wounded healer. Because in, um, mm. I think it's Joseph. So Joseph Campbell wrote a book. I don't know if you heard of Joseph Campbell before. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think the book is called, uh, I think it's got Hero of a Thousand Faces. I think that's what it is. Uh-huh. It's basically talking about how there are multiple stories that we tell through myths that relate to inward journeys that we often experience. So mm-hmm. one of those stories is I've been to the mountaintop. So I went through the hardship to climb the mountain, to come back down, to tell you exactly what is um is, is, is basically to give you the boon that I also um, achieved. So whether that story relates to obviously Martin Luther King, used up into the mountaintop, um, or he obviously took it from Moses, who went to to Mount Sinai to bring down the Ten Commandments, and um, the wounded healer sounds quite a bit like that. That the the individual's gone through the hardship, so you don't need to. But, um, there's also a fantastic book called The Denial of Death, which is. I can't remember who it's written by, but it's basically a sum summarizing that our psychological or our emotions and our defense mechanisms come from uh, an inherited mechanism to stop us from dying, right? Which yeah. is obviously a negative thing, but we leverage those as human beings for a lot of good in the world and to create our own hero story out the back at, at the back of it. So that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And on that point that you just mentioned there around, um, around, you know, coming back down and, and kind of sharing that with people, there was a quote I read online the other day and it said, you know, getting a coach or an osteopathy can apply this to as well is the biggest life hack because you can get from them all of the different support and teachings that they have either invested time, money, energy and learning and you get that packaged in a, in a box. And the second point you made there around, um, around, uh, coming together and using the things you've been through as lessons is that we can then like you say you can pay that forward you get to help others grow and avoid hurdles that you may have had to go through yourself and that is such a gift absolutely there was um there was one thing that you mentioned yeah about the what's this what was the first thing that you would you, that you mentioned there or just lost my train of mind you yeah almost about um osteopaths and coaches being able That's to go it. on a journey yeah, yeah like a I life think- pack that is our greatest asset as human beings. I don't know how to build a, I don't know how to make a light bulb. I don't know how to build a house. 
I don't know how to do mindset coaching, but to be able to stand on top of the shoulders of giants is what makes us so remarkable as human beings, because we're the first species really that have been able to scale up culture or scale up intellect. We've been able to achieve what is it what has been made achievable over a thousand lifetimes within one lifetime because we can compress that knowledge and that information to be able to do so so yeah i can i completely agree to be able to stand on top of the shoulders of giants or to, to life hack someone else's expertise is um it's an amazing feat that we have the the privilege of enjoying as human beings completely and you know just closing off there as well you know i wrote this down as i was thinking about what to talk to you about today in a few points and you know without going too deep and too philosophical i feel so privileged as a woman that i am in a place where i can be on a conversation like this with you and my voice is being heard and i get to stand up and inspire people because it wasn't many generations ago that anything i had to say would not have been valued and I consider it, and I get shivers when I say this, but I consider it a responsibility that being a woman in the year 2022 who has her voice heard, I need to share my gifts and share what I have to share so I can pay that forward and we can continue developing humanity, you know? And it doesn't get much bigger than that. 100%. At the same instance, I went to Jamaica with my fiance and um, a raster man in Montego Bay took us to Sam Sharp Square. And Sam Sharp was a man, a Baptist minister who led 60,000 Africans against the British to liberate them from slavery. And on this monument, um, myself and my fiance had, I think five or six family names of people who had fought for that uh, privilege of not being chained and not being made to work for, for nothing. And yeah. their punishments were written on there. Punishments were 500 lashes to the back death, life transportation. And that was only 100, it was 190 years ago, so not long ago. And uh, as you said, it's quite empowering to know that you've inherited all of those strengths without the barriers. You've inherited all the strengths of your ancestors, all the strengths of all the women who came before you, but you don't, have the, you don't face the same barriers that they faced. Absolutely. So you, you've, you've inherited rocket fuel in, yeah. in, in an in a anti-gravity, or no gravity environment Absolutely. Uh, and I quite literally get, I get shivers when I when I hear these things because you know how powerful is that and if you can connect your your why to something as deep rooted as that whether it's a goal in life whether it's a goal with an osteopath whether it's anything you want to achieve in life if you can get to that real root and something that really fires you up that is where the magic happens and it's so powerful one thing that we were speaking about before was a mind-body connection. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that, if you could explain a mind-body connection to me. Absolutely. God, this is a huge topic. Um, so in a, in a nutshell, I would say, you know, we, we can talk all day about the actual physical um, and anatomical connections within the body. But, you know, more generically speaking, our mind and body are so connected and if we're wanting to make physical changes in our health whether that's removing pain whether that is you know getting fitter changing our physique all of this stuff it really does start from a place of self-belief and almost cultivating a respect for your body because getting up and going to the gym fueling your body with food and almost going down the route of of nutrition has to come from a place of, of self-love and respect for your body because if it's the other way it's really difficult to actually instill these habits and improve yourself if you've got a really negative relationship with that and on the flip side if we're wanting to 
change our mindset, but our body isn't, isn't there supporting us or we're not fueling our body with good nutrition. We're not getting good sleep. We're not connecting all of those dots that make up health. It can be really difficult. So I don't think you can make a physical transformation without making a psychological one. And I also don't think, or it's not as easy to make a psychological transformation if your physical body isn't there supporting you either. So, you know, a few pillars of health come in here. I think nutrition, sleep, mindset, and the whole um, view in which we look at life as well. I think it all just goes hand in hand. So looking at things with a 360 perspective, I feel is really where it's at. And then I'll take it that you bridge that gap with your clients with once again, habit building, because it must be a lot of people, or I can imagine there being a significant amount of people who come to you just looking to work on their mindset or their habits, but then didn't really think that they were going to bring their physicality into it as well. It often does happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think looking at it twofold in the, in the osteo treatment room, I do talk a lot about sleep and a lot about nutrition within the remit of what I can do and my skills. And if there's things I need to refer on, I obviously do. But, you know, asking my patients about their sleep quality and asking them, you know, exercise, what are you doing outside of this to actually look after your physical body is key. And likewise with mindset coaching, if someone's got poor sleep, they're eating rubbish, they're not exercising at all, it's going to be difficult for us to really make a shift. So it really is about implementing things slowly and one step at a time, but trying to achieve things from lots of different angles and picking which one is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck in that moment. For my next question, retrospectively, I think it's a bit of a poor question. And I only say that because um, what you do is so specific to the individual. And I think this question is a bit broad, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway, just to see what your, your insight is. Um, but the question is, does the modern world, i.e. being time poor with there being high living costs and an increasing transparency of society, does this affect your clients at all? Or are these commonalities that clients might come in with? Yeah, and I think I think this comes down to, like you said, looking at things on an individual basis. And there is no blanket prescription for coaching or, you know, there's no blanket prescription for treatment. It really is about looking at each person on an individual basis within the life that they're living, within their current reality and seeing how you can make the biggest change. And it's also really respecting somebody's conditions, circumstances, heritage, culture, you know, different things around them and coming at it from a place of empowerment and using all of that as their individual skills and assets rather than things that can hold them back so that's what I would say on that point and from a more achievement success goal standpoint again just to touch on this I think society as a whole can tell us and teach us to you know stay in your box stay in your lane stay doing what you're meant to from where you come from or whatever but if we can question that narrative and we can say well actually I don't want to just follow the standards of what has been done for me I don't want to allow the future to resemble the history I want to change the narrative and my reality we get to choose to do that as well and so much of our beliefs and our our, our patterns are society driven and, you know, there's, there's a few things I've been thinking about recently around women and an empowered woman doesn't make companies, businesses and society any money. They can't sell anything to her because she knows she has everything she needs. And it's about recognising that and recognising the things that we get told to buy or how we should look and how we should feel. And we can't change it around us necessarily, but it's coming from a place of mindfulness and empowerment with it. I remember the first time that I, I read 
I think it was a book or, or something about the psychology of advertising and basically saying that advertising is there to create internal conflict. It's there to create a create tension, which you need to resolve. I, I need to have this. I need to eat this. I need to drink this. I need to be seen with this. Um, so yeah, that what you that, that the parable which you just mentioned on the empowered woman makes businesses no money. I can I can I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> is. Most people, empowered mm -hmm. person or someone who at least seems self sufficient or absolutely doesn't externalize their self esteem. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, my last question for you is: Do you have any common tips for common problems? Or no, not common tips. Do you have any specialist tips for common problems? That yeah, you sure. So on this point, I think, you know, to summarise it in a nutshell, there are a few common things that with a lot of my clients we implement. And I use the, um, I think it's an acronym, the word, GGAV, as four letters that uh, represent four different habits or mindset hacks. And the first one is goal setting, uh, which is the first G. And in a nutshell, it's, it's about living life intentionally and you know a goal doesn't have to be you know to launch a business or to run a marathon it can be something tiny like I have the goal of every day you know moving my body in some way or something like that so having a goal and living life with intention is the first one the second G is gratitude and if people listening to this do one thing going forward please make it gratitude because it has changed my life it changes the lives of my clients time and time again, and it really is powerful. So what I mean by this is some people do it in the morning, some in the evening, but sitting down and intentionally thinking about what are you grateful for in that moment? And I really feel the small things are actually more powerful here because it trains your mind to look for the things to be grateful for in the moment. And no matter how much of a crappy day you've had, if you can sit down and identify two or three things that you are grateful for in that moment, that is massively powerful. The third one, the A, is affirmations. And again, I could talk for a whole call about affirmations, but feeding your mind like watering a plant with positive statements that affirm exactly how you want to feel. Your brain will quite literally form stronger neural connections on the pathways of the things you are feeding your mind with. So telling yourself these affirmations daily are really powerful. And the final one is V, which is vision. And this is about having your GPS or your North Star set for where you want to be heading. And again, this can be big or this can be small, but identifying what you are moving towards, what you are aiming for and having your GPS set where you want to be heading helps keep you on track and make those small steps every day. GGAV. Amazing. And just to focus on gratitude, what does, what, how does gratitude or increasing gratitude change things? What does it does? What does it do for the client or the patient? So, you know, it's just a really great habit that is very easy to implement. And it's such an easy hack for changing your perspective because we can all have really difficult days in life where things are going wrong. We, you know, we're watching the news and things are coming up that are triggering us. You know, we've spilled our coffee, we've, we've got a parking ticket and all these things start happening and we just had a really crappy day. But if you get to sit down and you can change your perspective and you can go, right, I'm accepting that. And it can be really difficult at times, but you go, what am I actually grateful for in this moment? You know, on a macro level, I've got a warm home, I've got running water, I've got food on the table, I've got clothes on my body. All of a sudden, your perspective on the situation instantly changes. And it's almost a momentary thing. 
So that is the way in which it changes. And if you do this and commit to this consistently, you quite literally change your brain neurology because your brain and your mindset starts to look for things in the day to be grateful for. And all of a sudden you're looking through life through completely different lenses. Amazing. So good. Annie, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Um, is there anything that you wanted to, to say before we cut the call to an end or anything that you wanted to, to talk about? Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I'm sure you can tell this, this fires me up. I get so passionate about it. And thank you for giving me the platform to share. But um, final message, I suppose, is don't give up on your dreams. Don't ignore that voice inside your head. And if there is something that you feel called to do or that you want to achieve in your life, do not let anyone tell you that you can't. And if you take anything away from today, just take one small step. Make sure you don't kind of set things so big that it can feel really overwhelming. Break things down, change one thing at a time, and you'll then look back and you'll see how far you've come. And just to clarify, patients and clients can book in with you by, via your website at osteocure.co.uk? Absolutely can. And the main social media page I post from is Annie the Osteo, uh, Instagram or Facebook. And if anyone has any questions, you are welcome to fire them my way. Thank you so much for your time, Annie. You're so welcome.